Welcome to In the Envelope, a podcast from Backstage, the number one resource for actors and talent seekers. I am your host, Jack Smart, awards editor at Backstage, and I'm here to guide you through every aspect of the entertainment industry with the help of some of your favorite stars. These intimate, inspirational conversations with today's most award-worthy film, television, and theater artists provide you, dear listener, advice on how to live the creative life, personal stories of success and failure alike, and maybe, just maybe, a tantalizing glimpse in the envelope. I still work therapeutically with accepting myself but when it comes to the world of acting it's just such a freedom you know of messing up or having fun or reacting on someone and maybe getting the role or not. Welcome, listeners, to another episode of In the Envelope, a really excellent episode this week, if I may say. The great Rebecca Ferguson is the lovely, gorgeous, I might add, voice that you just heard. What an amazing podcast voice Rebecca Ferguson has. Um, She is one of those actors where if you know her work, you know she's legit. You know she's a terrific, versatile actress. And if you don't, I feel like you are about to. Coming out next weekend is the Adaptation of the sci-fi classic Dune from director Denis Villeneuve, starring an all-star cast, including Rebecca Ferguson as Lady Jessica. Just truly a, a breathtaking movie. Please go see it, and please go see it on the big screen. But also she, you know, stars in there's going to be more Mission Impossible films. She's probably best known for the, for that film franchise. And she's starring in and executive producing the upcoming TV series called Wool, which we touched on in this lovely interview. Listen, at one point in this interview, Rebecca says the words, welcome to my insides. So this is my kind of interview. This was so revealing and she's she's just so honest and kind of exposing, I feel like, the contradictions inherent in being an artist and how they're not contradictions at all and also in being a human. Anyway... Stay tuned for that in just a sec. Uh, otherwise, over at Backstage.com, we are in full swing on awards season. Yes, awards season phase one is upon us. All of the podcast guests you're about to hear are certainly contenders for the SAG Awards, sometimes the Oscars, and more. We will link in today's episode description and the article, that the web article that goes with this piece, to an, kind of an upcoming film awards season highlights or preview, the buzziest contenders, which does include Dune, because that is absolutely going to be a contender in many categories. And um, yeah, this week we also have a digital edition of the magazine covering the state of the industry because we just cannot get enough of those. It is always important to keep checking in on where we are in the entertainment industry in these still tumultuous times. But all that being said, let this interview guide you on your career through the arts and give you some tips on craft and auditioning and all of that good stuff, but also just you know, let it wash over you. Rebecca, if you're listening, thank you so much for joining us. There are some really valuable insights in here. So actors, take notes, get that notepad ready, 
And uh, let's take a quick break and get to Rebecca Ferguson. Hey, if you are an actor or an aspiring actor, someone at the beginning of your artistic career, and you haven't signed up for Backstage yet, and you don't know how it works, I have good news for you. Backstage is offering 30 whole days completely free just for our In the Envelope listeners. If you visit backstage.com slash subscribe and enter the code envelope, you will have full access to the site where you can make a profile, upload a headshot, upload a reel, start applying to the thousands of casting notices uploaded every single day on the world's number one casting platform. Again, we are giving listeners of this podcast 30 days completely free to try out Backstage. Go to checkout, that's backstage.com slash subscribe, and enter the code ENVELOPE. If you want to be in contention for an Emmy or for an Oscar or for a Tony or for a SAG Award, do as many of the guests on this podcast have suggested and use Backstage. We are here for you. Again, free 30-day trial, backstage.com slash subscribe. Enter the code ENVELOPE. Rebecca Ferguson has combined backgrounds in music, dance, short films, and soap operas in her native Sweden to become one of today's most versatile and compelling screen stars. Known for The White Queen, The Mission Impossible films, The Greatest Showman, and the award-winning Doctor Sleep, Rebecca now stars in Warner Brothers' Reminiscence from Lisa Joy and Dune, the sci-fi epic from Denis Villeneuve. Here is the wonderful Rebecca Ferguson. Um, Rebecca Ferguson, how are you? I'm really well, Jack. Thank you. I wish we could see each other. I know. Well, I wish this were in person. person. Oh, God. Better step. You win. Touche. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's just at that point in the pandemic where it seems like in-person in person things are happening. So we're like almost there, right? It's so close. <laughs> it's so close. I kind of also feel like I, as a human, adapt very easily. Oh, sure. Um, I also... S- question my sort of rule of thumb that I was taught by my mom, which was always question the status quo. I'm like, nope, I'm getting jabbed. I am following the rules. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You're, you're a sheep is what you're saying. I, oh, God, Jack. Yes, I am. But I'm a black one. So don't worry. I'm a black sheep. <laughs> a black sheep. This is such a great starting point because I feel like that speaks to a lot of your acting ability. Like you have to be adaptable as an actor. You, you absolutely are. I mean, I try. <laughs> You certainly. I mean, oh, and just to give you some context here, like, I don't know how familiar you are with Backstage, but we are the Actors Trade publication. So we are all about acting, craft, career advice. I'm going to ask you for all of your deepest, darkest, like acting, craft, technique, secrets, on set and off. It's going to be a really dull interview, Jack. <laughs> no. I'm sure. That's why they're called secrets, my Jack. Smart, was it? <laughs> but I'm going to, I'm going to pull them out of you, like, like something out of, something out of dune maybe use the voice <laughs> go for it i'm an open book <laughs> yeah um i mean well so first of all talk to me about the just the beginnings like we of course love hearing about the early career stuff but the, the beginning beginning why acting in the first place i know you had a a background in modeling and dancing as well but why has the path become acting i never saw my path as as modeling or dancing that is mm-hmm. nothing that i would define as my sort of um, history. I um, I was cast to become a model. I never modeled. I hated it. I did one <laughs> casting or something. 
and I never did it again. So just to make that very clear, that was not a comfortable zone for me, which is quite fun then to think that it led into me becoming an actress because I think it's quite, I wonder if it's quite easy to put them in the same bucket of expressions somehow. Mm. Um, But it wasn't for me. I I went to music school, Adolf Fredericks Music School Mm -hmm. in Sweden um, from the age of uh, 11 or 12. I went to an English-speaking school prior to that. Um, and it wasn't sort of the idea that I was a thespian or anything. My mum mm. just always loved trying different things with us kids. And I showed talent for singing. So she tried it out and I got in and that kind of became my my element for that moment. Gotcha. Uh, there was no stage acting at school. There was no theatres. We kind of do things a bit differently than other countries that have sure. like the Christmas play and stuff like that. Sure, right. Uh, and we so dance I, around phallic shaped symbols at midsummer, however. <laughs> right. <laughs> the more traditional, uh, maybe. Have UK. you heard about midsummer? Have you seen it? The midsummer pole? Yes, of course, of course. Okay. <laughs> Good. The phallic. But it is. We're dancing around a giant penis, to be honest. <laughs> Am I allowed to say words like that? You absolutely are. It is absolutely encouraged. Interesting, though. I mean, laugh aside, it's kind of, I love history. I like symbols. I love... It's there for a reason, yeah. Yeah, where we've been, where we're going, storytelling, which leads into your question when it comes to to acting, um, I guess, as as being raised by quite a thespian and artistic mum, I was very open to trying things out. So Mm -hmm. I danced and did lots of different things. Um, And then this casting came along when I was... 15 yeah 15 mm-hmm. and I got it it was the lead in a soap opera and I was like well I guess we're trying this out now <laughs> and soap operas are always I feel like an interesting kind of entryway into the biz like it was it um kind of boot camp really really prepping you for on-camera acting well looking back at it yes absolutely mm-hmm. But when you're in it, it's sort of, that's your reality. I mean, I would never criticize soap operas. Um, It's a genre in itself. It's quick. We did two and a half episodes a day. I was the lead in it. I had to learn all the lines. On a Friday, we would get all the following week's lines. So you had the weekend to prep. So looking at it and the way, like when when you ask boot camp, yeah, it kind of is for learning and quick reactions and but it's not character driven. You don't have the time or the possibility to go into an, an emotion. Uh-huh. Um, so there's a lot of, you know, quick secrets of putting little like Vicks on your eyes to cry. And then <laughs> you shove Belladonna into your eyes to get them perfectly white again. <laughs> <laughs> really? Yeah. That's quick, amazing. quick. And it's, it's, you know, that was my boot camp into realizing a world that I actually really felt free and and happy and, and safe. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, so, and that's the other, the other question that's relevant to the early career stuff is like, at what point, it must've been around then that the idea that this is a career or a way of, of making a living, like, I feel like as children, we don't think about that until, until we do like at first it's more about the fun and the craft and then it becomes about oh I this is my career path right I mean that comes I'm I'm having those discussions with I have a lot of siblings and Mm -hmm. huge family and it ranges from 17 up to 50 you know all of our siblings together with my husband 
So mm. this conversation is very often on the table and some of them want to be actors. So we have lots of conversations about the world of acting and tips and ideas. And and I mean, it's it's to be honest, it is for me anyway, what I felt is my drive and the fact that I wanted to do it, I think kicked in when I was given the role as the mm. white coin uh, in the BBC um, Stars yes. um, production. That's, and I was 26. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's quite late to, to make that kind of active decision. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, that was, but that was when the fire was really lit. Like, this well, is that where... That took me over the borders. That took me further. So yeah. I'd done the soap opera, then I did a soap opera in America, and then... But I never stopped pushing. So mm. as a person, I never stopped working. I never expect things to come my way in that sense. So I will work in any shop to have an income to pay my rent or sure. Um, so it, it was it it was sort of leaving all doors open. And I also always contacted drama teachers for independent sessions that I would pay out of my own pocket. <laughs> oh. Um, so I would work and then earn a bit of money and then have like an hour's session with an incredible stage actor. Mm, I see. That's, I mean, that's a great tip, I feel like, for early career actors. Yeah. I mean, this is how my love started growing. I saw, someone saw potential and I thought, well, maybe I should learn the craft, you know? Mm-hmm. If, if this is what people are saying and I'm enjoying it. Um, I probably should take a bit of responsibility for my own <laughs> growth. Mm-hmm. you know um, well and I think the advice too is like like you're saying like uh you didn't want to box yourself in or like your definition of success going forward was not limited by any kind of classification like you're saying you're you were open to anything yeah oh my gosh anything uh to try things out and, and also I'm one of those oddies that I really loved castings um mm-hmm. A lot of people fear them and hate them. I would hate them up to the moment that we have to start acting because I'm my my heart would go so fast, but I would never worry for the consequences of my own actions. <laughs> <laughs> so I would think that it's just a space of being creative. Yes. Um, I would obviously, I mean, I still work therapeutically with accepting myself, but when it comes to the world of acting, it's just such a, a freedom, you know, of messing up or having fun or live, you know, reacting on someone and maybe getting the role or not, you know, those, those, God, it's intoxicating, isn't it? It's intoxicating. This is exactly what we love asking about. I mean, I have to ask you about auditions. It's so cool that you have that, that attitude toward them, because I think a lot of early career actors struggle with making that space, like you're saying, a creative space and, and letting it be about freedom and experimentation I feel like for a lot of people it's instead it's about nerves but you also have to remember and this takes it more central to me I guess I feel like I was very lucky and fortunate in the fact that the soap opera I first cast for I was I was given the role it just worked Ah. the second soap opera I asked cast for I got Mm -hmm. Um, I was somehow lucky and then all of a sudden it stopped of course. Um, I already had a taste for it. So that buzz was in my kind of veins somehow. And that became a drive. And I know that a lot of people, you know, one of our family members who, who we talk a lot about it because she's going to now search into um, apply for, for drama school next mm. year, um, 
is if you haven't had the taste for it. It's, it's easy to build up this imagination of you be torn down or you, you're so hard on yourself because you uh, haven't been in the environment where you've been loved, where you've been raised or where you've been a part of and generated something forward. Um, so people, a lot of people come to an audition from a very different perspective than I did. Does that make sense? Yes. It's, that's actually such an interesting perspective. I haven't quite heard it put that way, that there's a balance between uh, of course, like hope and optimism and the knowledge that there's going to be rejection. Mm. And you're saying like getting a taste of it really helps not just build confidence, but it helps you then drive to continue to want that, that That's work. What I felt, and I think also what I did in, in early stages, in an early stage um, of my career, or um, I don't know what it's called in England, but drama schools or directorial schools where you come out as a director, we call mm. it DI in Sweden, um, they need to do their seminar films. Mm. So I did, I mean, hundreds less, maybe. Oh. I, I just contact, there were lots of these meeting places on internet where you just sign up and you put your CV out. I did that on every single casting base that there was that I didn't okay. pay for. And they just want actors to, to deliver some form of acting. And that became, for me, school. And also, once again, as I said, the environment of filming. Mm-hmm. So you meet a sound guy who is young and a rookie, but everyone has a position and we're doing it from early stages. And if you do more and more and more, it was enormous growth for me. And also, the film would become a great CV. Yeah. And this was this was at what point in the career was this before or after? This was, this was oh, this was before. Um, um, so White after Queens. soap opera, I then went to America and then came home and then nothing really happened. So I just worked. <laughs> and after that step, I was twenty two, maybe twenty three, and I just did all of these small small films that were everything between two minute art house movies for mm-hmm. for. In- you know, incredible um, video art. Um, and and then, yeah, and then after that, I got a, a lead in a Swedish film called A One Way to Antibes. And mm-hmm. then after that, it was The White Queen. But I used all that material for a couple of years to send. I mean, this is all just, I think this is really great advice because the like you're saying, the drama school does not necessarily have to be drama school. <laughs> it can be these student films, it can be soap operas. It's some combination of all of that. And it sounds like right away, you were also getting a crash course in, there are ebbs and flows in this industry, right? There, there is, there are always ebbs and flows. And I still feel it, mm-hmm. but I feel it now, obviously at a point where I feel like the most lucky human being in the world, because most of the time I love my job, but now I'm at that point where I need to start delivering more to to challenge myself. It's funny, you have so many stages in life, don't you? Absolutely. Absolutely, and I, and I, you just touched on it, but I did wanna ask like, now I feel like Mission Impossible, the Mission Impossible films, and of course all of these prestige movies, how does the goal, how do the goalposts change? And then yeah, how does your attitude change? Is it always a philosophy of continuing to challenge yourself as an artist? Yes, that is it. I, I feel for me anyway, um, I constantly want to challenge myself and I constantly want to work with directors who challenge me, but that's a very hard decision to make prior to a film, you know? 
my point is sometimes you just have to go with it and do your best but but in that also comes the responsibility to challenge yourself um yes. so right now for example i'm i'm taking private acting classes uh, sessions with uh-huh. uh, an incredible um teacher called james kemp wonderful um and he's doing online you know online theater acting for beginners that you know my uh-huh my husband's sister is taking so you know there's no there's no hierarchy we're all creative aren't we doesn't matter who you are sure and and the the moment you get complacent and say well i've mastered acting that's probably the moment when <laughs> things start to go wrong right well you know what i think a lot of a lot of actors are just happy where they are and and mm. i think some people don't need the challenge and they're quite content where they are Sure. With income, with whatever life has to offer with the choices they make. And I think that's quite wonderful as well. You know, it's, yeah. it's I need more all the time, I feel. Like I, I take a job and I think my automatic response when I read a script sometimes is, oh, I can do this. I can do this with my hands tied behind my back. So <laughs> what can I do opposite? How do I, how yeah. do I not do that? Um, That's so interesting. It, it really speaks again to a balance of like, you want to <laughs> challenge yourself and you want to want, but you also want to be happy, right? Like, how do you, <laughs> I, know. I guess well, this speaks yeah. to being a human, so, but <laughs> welcome to my insides. <laughs> um, and, and I'm also quite a simple person who just kind of rides the waves. Sure. Um, I think I'm also a human being who very much goes on my gut, very mm. much. I have a sense for something. I read a script, um, I will either like it or I don't like it. That's a very simple yes or no. Oh, cool. But then there are moments where you like something and you can't put your finger on what it is. Um, and, and there's a moment in your career when you actually can verbalize it because the consequence of not getting it isn't too daunting because you might have something else waiting. Sure. So for me, I'm at a stage where I actually have that possibility and, and I enjoy doing that. Confronting a writer or going into a discussion about the gender politics in a scene, in a, in a, in a script or, you know, expose of naked sequences, which I don't understand and make no sense. You know, I, I can actually verbalize all of these thoughts. With Very writing. cool. Yeah. Uh, which, by the way, we can do from the beginning, but we live in a society where we believe we can't. Absolutely. So. Um, Tendiwe Newton on this podcast, this was years ago now, but I know that you know her, and she yeah. said she said the similar thing, where you can, you can, from the beginning of your career, say no. And you can, I believe she said, you can tell a director to f*** off. <laughs> oh, my God, 100 million percent. Now, this is, I think, very rarely do we give ourselves pats on our backs mm. right i can very what do you call it proudly say i have never even in the beginning when my career was not as wonderful as it is i'm a, i feel very lucky now but even back in the day i was never worried that i would have my career due to saying no or confronting something that i wasn't comfortable with if mm. i would get fired i'd be fine with it and I guess for me, I've never had what we call those sharp elbows. Some people do. They are going to get somewhere and they will elbow themselves through anything, right? Yeah. 
And that is a choice. I don't have it. And I have never had it. I enjoy something or I love something or I feel good. I, I'm, I feel. And if I feel wrongly treated, I will verbalize that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is something I would tell people from the beginning as, as a, a ground tool to have with you in this career. Yeah. Well, and it goes back to what you're saying about like, you just, you do, you have to know your gut and be in touch with your gut. Yeah. And also know, you know, Janet McTeer told me once, just know the fights you're taking, choose the fights, don't take them all. You know, that doesn't mean that you're not, I mean, it it could be script changes. It could be (sighs) makeup. You know, we have to accept so many things as actors. Mm. We are tools, but then we also, what people usually want, which, which we forget is, they choose you because you're bringing something mm-hmm. and trust that process. Trust that you are bringing something that they're valuing. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I feel like a lot of this speaks to you've eliminated so brilliantly your kind of decision process for picking roles or the audition approach. How much of this is then carried over into the craft itself in terms of, I know that you've played such a wide variety of roles, but are there things that you do every time? Is that same kind of gut-based approach how you, you know, dissect dialogue and work with scene partners? Um, I always have a very collaborative team and I, I move them around. Um, I will always have uh, either um, a voice coach, because mm. depending on the role, if it's an American, obviously, like now I'm, I'm doing an American for my new show, Wall. Um mm-hmm. And sometimes the dialect or voice coach, they, they like to be referred to as different things. Um, mm-hmm. They're also acting coaches. And I, I love um, ideas. I love being thrown options. Um, mm. And, you know, some actors don't. And, and the more a platter of color I have um, for my painting, basically, the, the happier and more comfortable I feel. So at this present time for Wool, for example, I have the voice coach that production has hired for everyone on set. So we work together. So we have the um, unity of the same sound. Hmm. Uh, And then I'm using James Kemp just to play with body language um, and and just breaking down my comfort zones to see if I can offer up new versions of myself so I don't fall into the habit of constantly being a strong female character who walks very queen-like into a room. because that's my comfort zone. We all have them. Okay. Uh, so, yeah, that's that's sort of my little clique. Well, th- that's so cool to hear. And I, it segues beautifully into, I wanted to ask you about, can we call it like type? You made a comment uh, in an interview recently where you said you've played lots of princesses. <laughs> but yeah, I also... I that's such a general thing. I think what I meant yeah. is, you guys didn't see it, but I did something with Ridley Scott called the... Um, the Vatican, which was never greenlit, but I played the Count, uh, Countess Borghese, ah. so I was like the head of the Borghese family with huge dogs smoking cigars. By the way, it was epic. Very cool. Yeah, but but and that and the Queen and I think they all kind of fall into the same category of poised per- persona. Mm-hmm. That's what I meant. Right. And so that is, like you said, like a comfort zone. Does that almost speak back to that idea of like some actors are in that maybe pigeonholing and they're perfectly fine with that? Yeah. And I think I want to try and embrace the fact that that I am okay with that as well sometimes. Sometimes. And 
And yeah, sometimes, but I also, I would find it dull to, to, to act, you know, the same way and for people to have an experience of going, oh yes, that's a typical Rebecca Ferguson role, isn't it? Um, mm. You know, I want, I want to try every angle to this craft. Yeah. I was, um, I was studying um, Tom Hardy's work the other day for various reasons. Mm. Um, because he'd studied the same technique that I'm looking into now, um, just to understand it, because it's fun when you see someone using it in their craft as well. Mm. Um, and it just made sense. You know, I watched it and thought, yes, I, I get it, I see it. And then I can be too critical of myself thinking, but why am I not getting it? You know, that, that balance is always hard. But maybe mm. when I do it, everyone else sees that it is happening, the change. Right. You know, there's the external reaction and the internal reaction that we're constantly um, juggling with, aren't we? That's beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and gosh, this that's a great tip, too. If you're studying a technique and you know another actor who's using that technique to study their films, yeah. right? Like minute details, right? Oh, my God. Yes. And also don't stick to one technique. That's my anyway. That's my vision. Yeah. In therapy, in life, in life coach, if you've ever had one, in, in partners. <laughs> no, I believe in monogamy. Um, <laughs> live, try, fail, try again, you know? That's what yeah. it's about, isn't it? Yeah. Well, and the other question I wanted to ask, I mean, because I, I think this is related, this idea of type and pigeonholing and knowing your strengths. I mean, another way of putting it is you know your strengths. Um, how does that apply to, like, genre? And is there a specific approach for you've done horror, you've done musical theater, and then I think, as you're saying, this is sort of almost historical genre, and then there's also like fantasy. And Dune, this is where I can ask you about Dune. I would quantify Dune as this sort of like heightened sort of genre. Is it is that also a consideration, or is it all like you are finding the humanity in these characters? It's actually... a a mixture for me because I could find humanity in a lot of great films, but I would choose not to pick one of the roles if I have done too many in the same genre. Okay. Mm -hmm. So it's a balance for me. What I loved about Dune, for example, now is it is absolutely set in space. It's futuristic. It's also somewhat timeless. It's, mm. you know, what people, whatever genre they would put it into, obviously, it carries so much of human in, in, interaction and mm -hmm. power and greed and, and every topic that I find very interesting that it just kind of an all-encompassing yes for, the, for it, for no. <laughs> it just, it had its own little um, pocket in, in my career. Mm. You don't get many of them. Mm. Um, but yeah, I try not to, I mean, someone said to me, you're, you're very much into sci-fi and I thought that's not good. Oh. Uh, I've heard it. I've heard it quite often. And it's, I take that in because I look at then my career and I understand how someone would think Dr. Sleep, uh, Men in Black, um, yeah. um, Reminiscence, Dude, they're all futuristic and they have elements of, of the um supernatural mm -hmm. but i guess i break it down more than that when i right. when i act in it I, I separate my character from the entity of the genre 
that's great. And and I feel like so much of it too must be who depends on who your collaborators are, right? Doesn't it is a director maybe one of the biggest factors in how how a character is formed, regardless of that? Hundred percent. Yeah. A hundred percent. I also nowadays very much look into the DOP as well. Okay. Um, I find the uh, the um, cinematographer one of the most important ones as well because he's the one painting the picture, isn't he, with his light and his vision and um. So yeah, combination. Wow. Wow. So what does that relationship entail? Like what makes a great relationship between an actor and a cinematographer to you? Ooh, that's a very good question. I feel if I look at my own history of positive relations with cinematographers and the opposite. Yeah. I think there's when I feel I can confirm I'm gonna compare it with Greg Fraser, who now is in June because he's one of the most incredible DOPs I've ever worked with. Mm-hmm. And why is I had enormous trust. I had trust to the fact that I understood his technique. I've also seen his film. So I do my own studying before entering into a, a project. I Great. know who's involved. I, I watch their work. Um, so I was very safe on the beginning. And then I think also he was just a very, very kind man. And then he only hires um, non-hierarchical needed humans um, and and with that is a space of communication. But I think also in this film, I didn't need to say much. I didn't need to do much. Everyone was on like the most shiniest little pillar of brilliance for this film. And sometimes when it hasn't gone well, um, can be in scenarios where you don't feel seen. Uh, you might not have a big role. You might not be at that stage of your career where you can have those opinions or thoughts and, and a voice, right? Sure. Um, and they're not good at lighting. They sometimes are not good at lighting different skin colors, uh, genders sometimes, height, um, angles, shape. Wow. Um, if you're supposed to show a bit of skin and you don't feel like they're complementing your silhouette, uh, you feel very um, exposed mm. sometimes. And then lacking trust. And then, then you lack trust, right? Um, so you're very much at the mercy for them. And then hopefully you have a great relationship with the director, one mm-hmm. of them, you know, so that you can communicate this or, or always sort of watch one or two playbacks of a scene just to see the light, just to see the angle so you can work with it yourself as well. Gotcha. So you are one of those actors who is on set looking at the, um, looking at the playback. No, I, I don't. I've done it in the beginning. Um, okay, yeah. But I, I've, sadly enough, I would mess up my acting too much. I, I am not interested right. in seeing myself. Um, I do it for technique. I do it sometimes if I'm asked to, to hit a spot, to understand a frame. Mm-hmm. Um, especially with mission, it's quite important. Um, it's more about the, the, the teamwork of everyone or fight or whatever. Yeah. And angles to get your face in so people know you're doing it or you know it's it, there's, there's a lot of technique sometimes and you have to watch the playback mm. um but usually no i think my point is just to take responsibility sometimes and verbalize and and um, dare mm. to verbalize or, or to say from the beginning this is i'm not comfortable with this mm-hmm. but that goes back to costume fittings if you want to back it up again i'm always verbal in costume fittings i never walk out of a costume fitting feeling uncomfortable Ever. Oh, sure. Oh, that's a great policy, I feel like. Well, that's where it all starts. If you're comfortable in your clothes, mm. 
you know, or even uncomfortably comfortable because your character's uncomfortable. Um, but if you have worries for things and you let them heighten it, then, I mean, you've literally short circuit into a dustbin for the rest of the shoot. Yes. Okay. So that is sort of the first domino. Like you need, if you leave that costume fitting, feeling uncomfortable, it's an uphill battle from there. Yes. Oh my God. For me anyway, clothes, feelings, fabric, shape. Uh silhouette i love creating silhouettes for character and if some people you know it could be really we shouldn't care too much about our bodies but we do when we have cameras on and sometimes things feel like you're in a shoved into a sausage pack and you think i actually just want to eat a curry for the next week um <laughs> you know yes just be aware of of your life combined to the request for the character you know Yes, it is about taking responsibility. That's such a great, and I see what you mean now about like the relationship with the director. Of course, we know that that's important for an actor, but for costuming that outside in approach of it helps, absolutely helps you create your character. And then same for cinematography. That is, that is key. Key, completely key. And all of these, that's why also why Dune for me was so magical Yes. to compare with others because they do it as well. Not everyone, but uh, Denny and Jacqueline and Greg, so the costume designer, the DOP and, and Denny, they're so close, they're so communicative. Yeah. So the layers together, they're like way, they're weaving a story together. Mm -hmm. So when I come in, it's just, it's there, it's presented, it makes sense. Now it's my job to tell them if it's comfortable, if I feel good, if I'm happy with it, I can add things, I can take things away. I can bring my own character into it and be a part of it. Um, but this one was so written, you know, it was on the page to how the character needed to look. Absolutely, yeah. I and I think as an audience member, I can see that, like the question of, are you going to be worried about the costuming or your relationship with the lighting is yeah. is out of the question for something like this, for that, that experienced of a team. And for someone like Denis, who he just seems like he had such a vision from the very beginning. I mean, yeah. this movie really reminded me of why we go to the movies. If I haven't said it, I haven't mentioned just how much I love this movie. Oh, you did. Yes, it was two and a half hours of me like forgetting who I was in the best way. <laughs> oh my gosh, that is such a good review. <laughs> and did you, do you like watching yourself? I mean, you must have seen, there must have been a moment where you saw the final product, which is quite oh different God. from the film. I'm not even going to tell you. There's one scene in this film that I just hate. Okay. Oh, I hate it so much and I'm never <laughs> going to tell you and I've never told any, I haven't even told him that I hate a scene in it. <laughs> Um, and it's just because of me. I know I'm doing a fine job, whatever. You know, they've chose the scene. I'm far too critical. Mm. Um, but I just am so disappointed oh, with no. how I chose to act something. And that will always happen. It's quite lovely. <laughs> it's um, good to just know that going forward. That'll always happen. That will always happen. I mean, you can't love everything. And if you do, great. I mean you will there are always different films, you know, it's the film you read the script, the script is so different to the film that the director sees. Mm. It's completely different to the film you will film and then it's the film you see. And if you're yeah. not a producer, you have no power over how they edit things and what the options you give them, that's what they have and they can. So you give them what they can use and then you give them as much as you can, you know, that's your job as an actor. 
beautiful. Yeah, again, it's like a balance of you you want to kind of surrender the control and let go, but also a little bit of perfectionism is important, like you're saying. Professionalism is so important to be as a professional and a perfectionist. I don't really know if you need perfectionism, but mm. the professionalism is to just, you know, deliver your character. That's that's your job. Yeah. But you can watch a movie and they fucked it up. They it up with music edit anything or in my opinion you know <laughs> and that's okay as well that's movie making my you know the film i make i make at the moment i make it it's the moment in the scene it's that specific moment when the director comes out and i can see on her or his face that they're happy yeah i know they're happy and and that that is that is really enough that is pure gold. Yeah. Well, and going off of this idea of like delivering the character, I always really love asking actors to describe their characters. And I do think uh, Lady Jessica is a really, it's, it's a really great, cool character to describe. How would you, um, how would you qualify her? And maybe again, it's like what you were just saying of like, what was your first impression of her? Like reading this, the book or the script versus then the filming of it? Mm, there's so much to say. Um, one of the things that I loved when being presented this role via Denny was, I know I've said it a lot, and you've probably read it, but it, it is the core to why I took the role, is his love for this character. <laughs> it's his love for this film. So I was presented this character through his words. Through, he colored her in, he mm. shaped her. Um, and I think reading the book after and skimming through the book and finding bits of it um, and then the script, there is a distinct difference when it comes to the importance of her. That is how he, Denny has explained it as well when I've listened to him in interviews. He didn't talk about much about it in, in, when we were filming. He never said, I'm telling the story through Jessica. You don't know your importance. It's incredible. He never did that. He directed the, the actors separately, individually, with their own mot de jour, with their own agenda. Mm. And then later I sat down and watched the film and thought, wow, you know, this character is so much more important in that sense. There's so much more core and stamina to her importance to this film that I hadn't really understood, which was wonderful. Mm. but it was the multitude of characters that I fell in love with it was the fact that you know the joke stands between us that he said you know, I have this character and she's a mother a concubine soldier bodyguard you know and I thought oh god really give me a break what you want a strong female character who has connection you know um, and then later on he was basically talking about all of the gray areas in between. He said, I'm not yeah. interested in walking like a queen. I want you to walk like an animal. I want Oof. you to find a bug inside of you. Um, and then I thought, this is amazing. I've, I've never had this. That is amazing. This Okay, so you're saying like this, this almost, is it a note from the director of like, find yeah. a bug inside you? Yeah. That's more of a basis of the character than like the basic yeah. descriptors of who she is or even what she does. Sometimes you just need the simple way of walking. Sometimes you just need help in finding a tone or a balance or, a, you know, for Dr. Sleep, my character constantly walked backwards whilst walking forward. That was my tip. I Ooh. always had 
juxtapositions in my move. So there became a fluidity, whether she walked over sofas and landed on a chair. You know, she was just constantly pushing in one direction whilst walking the other way. Um, so with this character, it was all about not playing her powers somehow and mm. letting them sipper through when needed explosively, whether in a fight, whether in a voice. Um, but, you know, I, I just... I just kind of loved the simpleness of just also being a mother with her son, you know? Yeah. Parenthood. Yeah. And I think it speaks to, again, this sort of balance of epic versus intimate, where especially in the last, I don't know, third of the film, it is very much about, we've already invested in this bond between mother and son, or like we, we, we very much believe it. And that's kind of crucial for the last bit of the movie. Yeah, but well, and you also what you, what what I love is it's like a Benjamin Button this film. She starts so regal and poised and mm. on top of things and explanatory and you know she's she pushes him you know to the extremes of all the physical, emotional, spiritual endurance, and yet she's also just the mum. And then after she's taken out from her security of the walls of her power and dropped into nature, where she mm. is nothing compared to what Mother Earth is. Take away all of her safety. There is no one to do a voice on. There's a giant worm. Yeah. Right? And yeah. all of a sudden, there's a shift and a balance in the power between son and mum. Yes. And I think that is the one thing that I love so much is I, as a parent, relate. I'm not Lady Jessica. I don't have the, 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 the powers that she has. But our job is to protect and to teach, right? In whatever levels. And then there will come a time where we just have to allow our children to go their own path with hopefully some proud eye, you know, but that is the simpleness, the relationship that we can feel with this is there's a release. He, mm. he has to take over sometime. Yeah. And she becomes younger with that. She comes younger with the, with the growth of her son. Mm. Yeah, that's, that's beautiful. And the, the idea of, um, this is obviously a film that thinks about yeah, nature versus civilization, but also versus humanity. And, and it does seem like nature wins out in the end. And it also, that just reminds me of your, your idea of like you as an actor, just surrendering to you're playing your little role, literally little role, like compared to a giant sandworm, for example, right? Like a hundred percent, you know, we're like little, we're like ants, aren't we? We do our bit. We do our bit. Yeah. Does it mean that they're not important? They're enormously important. Hmm. Look at Greta Thunberg. Look at the speakers of today, the, the, the fighters, the anarchists, whatever you believe in. Hmm. Amanda, Gorham. I mean, it's one person does so much, but in the grand scheme of things, within a second, we can all be dead. <laughs> it's about humility, really, acting and, and just being a human on this planet, I guess. Yeah, it is. It's very beautiful what we do. Yes. What we do knowing the outcome is, you know, is the end at the end. Yes. And to like, be a greater part of it. Different with Jessica, though. You know, the end is not always the end, if you know what I mean. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. There is this, I mean, we haven't really, yeah, for listeners who aren't familiar with this film, there's this other just element here of this is part one of the book and... <laughs> We don't even necessarily know That's if part two will happen, but... We are hoping for a continuation, but we don't know. 
<laughs> Go watch it. And that's life. <laughs> you know what I said to Denny the other yeah. day? And I said, dude, I don't care if we're not doing a second one. We are making one in my backyard garden. Let's just pay it ourselves. <laughs> Let's get some papier mache. Yeah. Make this work. Jason and down the corner. Don't yeah. worry, got it covered. A sock puppet for the for the worms and all of that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, That's so great. Yeah. Um, this really it, it's a movie that needs to be seen in the theaters, and I I do hope I do think there will be. I'm not going to be the only <laughs> diehard fan of this movie. Um, Rebecca, thank you so much for all of this amazing insight into your process. This is so amazing. I have to let you go soon. Um, we always at, we talked about auditions and we talked about early career advice. Is there, but is there any, um, if you could go back in time and give your younger self one piece of advice, like what is the key that early career actors, what, what is the takeaway there? <sighs> um, my head goes to things. I think, nope, can't talk about that. Nope, can't talk about that. But, <laughs> To be honest, I had some, this sounds, this sounds really odd and I don't know if it's good or bad, but I was told once by someone that great acting comes, I can't do the quote, but something like great acting comes from um, crazy living. Point being, live, experience, Mm -hmm. be aware and use it. Um, I think that is something that I wish I would have done maybe earlier. I was so young when I started acting as well. I moved away from home. I had responsibility. I never went to university. I never went to school. My friends were always 10 years older than me. So I Mm. missed a part of my life. Well, I I got something else, obviously. But I guess maybe that's why my career as well took longer to activate, you know, in that sense. Mm. Um... I think I would have wanted to have been young and challenged and, and lived what I should have done at that age. Does that make sense? Yeah, it's all about different um, trajectories and kind of the benchmarks of youth versus adulthood. And sometimes that is not following a typical path. Yeah, but it is also so important because it, it puts us, those situations put us in awkward situations and sadness. Yeah. And we get left and we get heartbroken and we heart, we break other people's hearts. And we, you know, there's so much we do that is a part of growing up. And I think that is a very important stage in our life. Hmm. Um, I have obviously been a part of it later on, etc. But But my point is all of that builds up that rugsack of knowledge that you hmm. then use when you throw yourself into those castings. Whether it is shame or guilt or fear or whatever it is you feel, you will recognize yeah. it, you will understand you know, I, not meaning you're going to pop out lots of children so you can do a great birth scene. I'm not saying that. <laughs> but but maybe you've been through other pain that you can uh, access to. My yes. point is live, try, and if you enjoy it, fail and f- do it again. Just go for it. And it's a hard job. It's a really, really difficult job. And it takes a lot of time. And you do feel sad a lot and you feel under a microscope. Hmm. And the more you get to know yourself, the more grounded you can be in this world of scrutiny and, and you know, just meanness. There's also love and kindness once mm-hmm. you just don't give a f- about what other people think. 
that's 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 the acting, isn't it? That's the world of creative. There yes. are no boundaries. There are no borders. Yes, it's like the being vulnerable without, but also disregarding the yeah. other people's expectations or perceptions. And always say no if something feels wrong. Yeah, you walk away. You walk away straight away. I have it's, always done that from day one. Yeah, it's really really good advice. Yeah. And like you're saying, because that it's it's just of a piece with the idea of taking responsibility for yourself. Yeah, and also I feel like I'm having lots and lots of things, but I also think I do burn for it. I do very much believe in, and when I talk to my friends, you know, I say it takes work. You know, my my husband's daughter, who is amazing, she during COVID, I do not know how many casting tapes I was sent by her. She did Lisbeth Salander. She did the makeup. She found monologues. She did dangerous liaisons. She did monologue after monologue after fucking monologue and sent to me. And I analyzed them and I sent back and I helped her. And I, you know, I was ridiculously blunt. I got bored. It was monotone. There needs a change in direction or voice or whatever. And she just grew and grew. And then we put a tape together. That was COVID. But you need to want to work. It, it doesn't just put itself in front of you. You need to grab it and change it and throw it around and put, you know, it's, it's, it's your life. Mm-hmm. And the world isn't smarter than we are, you know. It wasn't built by people smarter than, than we are today. You don't have to follow the path that was laid before you by people, and men, men and women, who are literally us. You can lay your own path and have other people follow you. Mm. Pure gold. That was pure gold. Oh, my gosh. We're going to... I'll stop here. No, we're going to turn that soundbite into pure gold. That was amazing. Thank you. (laughs) Gosh, Rebecca, thank you so much. This is so lovely. Thank you. This was really lovely, Jack. I can turn this into so many different (laughs) pieces of, just pieces of of advice for, for, I think it's really actors at all level. You really addressed uh, not just the early career stuff. I think that people can take this at any point in their journey so thank you I, guess I, I think also to be honest i'm so into it right now with saskia here um and she asks so many questions and i also love the fact that she's not scared of asking questions um which i think is so beautiful i i do you know what i think one of the most important things for us is curiosity and when we stop asking questions mm. we stop developing and it could be questions about anything. There are no, there really are no silly questions, whether it's mm. down to costume and how we feel or the deep aspects of character or success or just the ongoing conversation with people you admire mm. is so important, isn't yeah. it? Don't you feel that yourself? Absolutely. Absolutely. I think curiosity might be the most important quality in an artist or maybe specifically in an actor. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, because a lot of what you've touched on kind of always comes back to that. It, it, that speaks to drive. It speaks to balancing um, being hard on yourself versus kind of surrendering and letting things be. Like, it's yeah. all about, yeah, investing in, I love this idea of studying people or performances. Oh, always. The other day I was at a gig I feel like I'm off your your pod now, but maybe you're going to keep it in. (laughs) Absolutely. I was at my friend's gig at the um, Half Moon, I think it's called, um, in London. 
And there was a guy who came out from the gig prior to, to my friend. And his body language, he clearly did not like what he had seen or heard. Oh. He was like, apropos walking backwards but forward, is that kind of, you know, where you're holding back? This guy couldn't have been quicker out of the room before <laughs> his body had passed the frame. You can, you can walk, you know, a character can walk towards something or away from something. You know, that's mm-hmm. a common thing that we talk about in acting. This guy, oh my God, I just looked at him, I just stopped listening to the people around me and just looked at this hunchbacked old man who literally was like running out of the door. And I thought, that's such a good character. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, play this man, woman. Yeah, I mean, and then you never know, like, in what role that shows up or in what scene, right? Yeah, no, yeah. Exactly. So For cool. The the rucksack is such a great image. Yeah, that's so cool. Yeah, it is. I've always had that. I have that even when I sort of climb a mountain, Lombok, sort of how I felt looking at people running up and down mountains, other people's terrified, some people sleeping on it, sort of how how vulnerable we are wow. you know, to, to life around us. Mm-hmm. Um, something I brought with me and basically took out of the rucksack when we talked about Dune. Um, it's just kind of filling that, isn't it? That's that's life for me. It is filling that with experiences, travel, people, culture, meeting, films. I mm-hmm. love stage work. You know, that's my. Um, a lot of people start on the stage. I am. Um, I'm working to get to be able to stand on a stage one day, maybe. Oh, cool! Oh, I would love to see that. Yeah. Um, I mean, going with this imagery, just to quite like. Does the rucksack get bigger and bigger? Like, is there a limit to how much you can carry in the rucksack? It's like, it's like Hermione's little purse in Harry Potter. Oh, the ma- yes, or Mary Poppins, sure. Or Mary Poppins. Um, yes. No, no. God, there's n- never, never too much. It's not like I sometimes in discussions at home when people give me information or whatever, I'll go, the solution is filled. They're like, what? I'm like, my solution, when you put salt in water, after a while, I can't absorb it's just uh, lying on the bottom. That's enough for me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. That's so wonderful. Again, I feel like so much of what you just said is both artistry and acting, but also life. <laughs> it's life, isn't it? We have to stop. Otherwise, this will never end, Jack. I know. Rebecca, thank you so much. This is so much fun. Um, I so wish we could do this in person. I'm looking forward to the day then that can happen more easily. It so It will do this. It was so lovely, Jack. Envelope is recorded at Lotus Productions and Hyperbolic Audio in New York City and Soundbox LA, Mark Rouse Studios, and Buzzies in Los Angeles. Thanks as always to our producer extraordinaire, Jamie Muffet, and to the team at Backstage, Samantha Sherlock, Mark Stinson, Caitlin Watkins, and of course, Casey Howe. Visit Backstage.com and don't forget, you can subscribe to Backstage by using the code ENVELOPE at checkout for a free trial. That's right, 100% free. For more exclusive content, join us on Facebook and Twitter at In The Envelope and subscribe, share, and leave a comment. Who would you like us to interview next? Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you next time for another glimpse in the envelope.